Crusaders and welcome to another edition of Batman, the animated series podcast. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and with me as always is my co-host, my brother, comic book artist and writer, and the guy whose bat plane would have a mini fridge in it. It's Mr. Will Robson. Say hello, Will. Oh, yeah, it would. And it'd be full of <laughs> delicious drinks like this Lipton iced tea I'm drinking from the can right now. Not Something about drinking... Well, I wish it was a sponsor, but there's something about drinking iced tea from a can that I really like. I, I agree. It's it's a different type of hit, but it's a good hit, isn't it? It is. It's the same with soda. I think besides, if you can get a glass bottle, that's the best, but a can of soda is the, the spiciest soda you get. And spice by spicy, I mean the fizziest. Hell yeah. Speaking of soda, there's a listener, Rob Ailing. He messaged me on Instagram recently. And sent me this little ditty, which are Batman the Animated Series can drinks. I've never Ooh. seen these. He's like, do you remember these? I was like, no, I've never seen these. We got a Batman, which is Cherry Aid. That's the worst flavor. Yuck. Yep, poor Batman. Then we got a Robin, who's got Orange Aid. Mm. Also yuck. And then we got the Riddler, who's got Lemonade, which is the best one. Mm, I guess you go with Riddle me this. Which one am I choosing? The Lemonade one. <laughs> but if you're going to have flavors, like, first of all, you should have had, like, yellow, I, I think should have gone to Robin, Lemonade Yellow, because they've got green for the Riddler for Lemonade. The green ain't Lemonade. You know, that's not the colour for Lemonade. You've got to do, like, lime. Green, oh, lime, that's right, yes, of course. Limeade. Yeah, and then Batman's got Cherryade. Then maybe they were going for Black Cherry or something like that. I would have just taken oh. like, a, a soda, right? Like a Coca-Cola and alcohol. There you go, done. Batman has just got the plain old, like, Coca-Cola wannabe recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Robin has lemonade because of yellow. Think, yeah, well, he's like uh, the Sprite, maybe. Sprite the Sprite, version. yeah. The lemonade. that is green and yellow, just like Robin's outfit. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. And then Riddler just, why don't you have Joker in there instead and have the purple drink for Joker or lemonade green for Joker if you're going to do green lemonade. There we go. We sold marketing from 35 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> we did it. We're a bit late. But we did it. <laughs> we did it. Anyway, welcome to Batman the Animated Series Podcast. If you've never heard it, this is what we talk about at the top. We also talk about the art life, as my brother is a comic book artist and writer. Buddy, how's the art life going? Um, Outbreaks is all wrapped up, baby. My Kickstarter is successfully funded. We hit our £5,000 goal for the free live giveaway, which I did last night, even though there was terrible audio problems that I was not aware of. Oh, no. Nobody was telling me as it was going on. Oh, do you know what? I almost watched some of it today. I had it queued up and then I got distracted by something. But I'm sure if I watched it, I would have messaged you and been like, buddy, your audio is terrible. And you would have been like, I forget now. <laughs> I forget now. I had a really bad day yesterday. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong. Toe stubbing and, and tripping and falling and slipping and just other little annoyances. And to end the day, like at first I was like, I'm just going to cancel this fucking live stream. I'll just do it tomorrow. But I was like, no, I promised people to do it. I need to, to give back. And I did it. And I was like, that was great. And then when I listened to the audio, it was like, oh, 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 oh no, that type you know, of bad. You know, it, it's still listenable, but you know when my mic unplugs and I plug it back in, it's got like a weird, like, crackly thing? It was that. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Um, I don't want to talk about it. We're moving on. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, look, you're, maybe it was you had to have a bad day because you've had such great success with your overfunded Kickstarter campaign right. for Outbreaks. Shout out to Scott Holly, listener of the show, who kept, like, upping his pledge to make sure we got the 5K giveaway. Thank you so much. I gave him 
uh, a free comic yesterday because of that. And thank you for your support. And if any of you guys want to check this book out, you can go to my website at speechcomics.com where I need to update the website because right now it's like, we're live on Kickstarter and we're not. So don't think <laughs> that we're live. Uh, and then come March, I'm going to be launching issue three of that book. And then in the summer, I'll be launching a brand new book by me called Mobster Mash. And it's like the classic Hollywood monsters, if they were mobsters, all in a turf war over Hollywood, a.k.a. Tinseltown. It's noir, it's crime, it's horror, it's kick-ass. So I hope you come out for that one. Hell yeah. And not kick-ass the, the comic book, like kick-ass just in general. No, it like, just kicks yeah. ass. <laughs> yeah, I really, uh, I can't wait to see more of that stuff. Just seeing that like Frankenstein cover that you did is really cool. And I can't wait to see all the other gangsters, the vampires, the werewolves, the zombies, yeah. all the really classic horror movie monsters. I'm excited to see all of that. So yeah, where can they find all this stuff, bud? Uh, you can find it on my social media where I, I always post, which is at Robson Inc. And that's R-O-B-S-O-N-I-N-K, anywhere on social media. Or on my website, like I said, at speechcomics.com. That's right. Well, today we have a very special guest returning to the podcast. It's Mr. Kevin Ortieri, director of so many episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And I sat down with Kevin a little while ago now to speak about specifically Feet of Clay Part 2. And I even had to cut some of that down because I was trying to put it in our episode and not make it so big. So I've decided to give us all a director's cut of this uh, interview that I had with him because there's so much great stuff that we're talking about. We not only talk more about Feet of Clay Part 2 in detail, but we talk about the striking that's going on. We talk about how Alan Burnett wanted certain versions of things in this script, how Kevin Ortieri almost got fired because of this episode mm. and also what his bat plane really should have looked like or what he wanted it to look like if he had his say so without further ado let's go back in time to my chat with kevin ortieri so kevin we do a behind the scenes fact section on our episode reviews that we call our utility belt of fun facts which is a perfect spot to include you <laughs> in today as you are the director of today's <laughs> episodes i think that would be very apt so i'll start by listing some creds here and we can get stuck in um quite a poor pun there stuck in i've just realized that <laughs> um okay so we're chatting about feeder clay part two today so just some creds here part one is directed by Dick Sabas. Now, am I saying that right? Because I don't yeah. know if it's... It well, you, you have, uh, with your accent, it's absolutely correct. Oh, Sabast. okay, good. Because but, I, but I've said Sebast. Yeah, I've said Sebast or Sebast. Okay, Sebast. That's, how, that's, how, that's how Dick said it, Sebast. Sebast, okay. Uh, it's That was written by Marv Wolfman and animated by Acom, one of the... Yes. Uh, every, everyone's favorite, Acom. And then... <laughs> Part two, directed by Kevin Altieri, written by Michael Reeves and animated by Tokyo Movie Shinsha. So what memories come to mind just when I list those credits right there about those episodes? Well, um, part two, part one and part two were actually, it was Marv Wolfman and Michael Reeves was the uh, story editor along with Marty Pascoe. I, and I don't know, it was kind of weird that both of them were on that episode. I think maybe Marty was the story editor and Michael came in to do rewrites or something. Right. Okay. Um, the original script that I read, I thought Marv was fine, you know. And the rewrites tended to make it very, very long. 
you know. Okay, and, so uh, usually usually rewrites would cut it down, so it was kind of the reverse. Yeah, there. and the way that I got it, I don't remember why Dick didn't do the second part or whatever, but I, uh, they pulled me in. I was pulled in. If I remember correctly, I was supposed to be doing a different episode. I can't recall what I was doing. But I was I was in line to work with ACOM. You know, Bruce actually, quite frankly, Bruce would come in and say, "Yeah, look, you know, this is a problem script or whatever." And he says, "And we got ACOM. You know, he trusted me to do whatever I could do to make it look as good as it possibly could be." Sure, you know, they trusted me to do that. But we had a meeting, and this is not an aside. This is um, actually what ex- the exact. Uh, events that happened to me we had a meeting and i remember tim sarnoff was there um he was the head of production um and we went through this thing and there was you know and lighting was there and it was about production and how to cut costs and how to get things moving faster and more on track i did have a reputation of being a more on track than the other directors just like i don't know why it was probably just because of the crew that I had, the crew that I picked, um, we were able to get things, especially coming from Deke. You know, I had Brad Rader, me, you know, Mike Gogan. We were used to working much faster, you know, than probably right. most most people. So faster with quality. So they were talking to me about production and about how shows are going over budget. Mine weren't going over budget, but some shows were going over budget and they were having trouble getting stuff done on time and all that. And the overseas studios are complaining about how much, you know, so we've got to cut down. We've got to cut, we've got to come up with ideas about how to economize animation, how to, you know, we more held cells, more of these tricks that save money. And so, so everything's about we got to save money, we got to save time. The scripts must be simpler. And then, then we were saying as our thing, okay, so please no more crowds if that's what we're talking about. There's ways to do crowds economically, but it's still a lot of drawing. Mm. And and the powers that you have, these villains, the, the powers and stuff that the villains have have to be much simpler. They got to be simpler. Okay, everyone's everyone's in agreement. Simple, simple, everything's simple. We're going to simplify things down. And then... <laughs> I mean, the opposite in, in Feet of Clay. Immediately <laughs> afterwards, Bruce, Bruce and Alan Burnett, you know, Bruce comes in and says, hey, we want you to do this script. And I'm like, oh, Clayface, because I was, I don't remember, I think I was supposed to get a Riddler script at that time. Um, oh, interesting. Was it the you know, first uh, Riddler story or was it I'm, one that never made it? Uh... I don't remember. I just remember that... It was Riddler is one of those characters in the Mad Hatter were characters that I never got to do. Gotcha. Um, and I would have loved to have done them. But anyway, so I get the second part. I get Feet of Play, Clay Part 2. And I read the script. And I go to Bruce. And <laughs> I get, we get Alan Burnett in there. We're going, look, we just had the talk. <laughs> we just had the talk. Did you read this thing? And he's like, oh, yeah, I read it. I know, I know. Yeah, it's like, so let's talk this out. What are we going to do? And then first thing I said, ACOM cannot get this. And Bruce is like, yeah, ACOM, no, no friggin' way. So had you received part one from ACOM at that point? Because it was, a, because I had read. Um, no. I don't know. No, okay. Because I had read facts that when ACOM sent 
their part one of Feet of Clay to you guys, there were there were more rounds of change most of what you've done than any other episode because they had just literally butchered it to a point where yep. Bruce Bruce Tim and whoever else was involved, probably Dick, was just all like this we can't put this on tv so you need to change this apparently three rounds were done on that oh yeah lots lots of the retake budget um a lot of my episodes went on the air with no retakes you know very minimal retakes if you look at the blu-rays that have come out of batman the animated series Mm -hmm. um all of the retakes are there so when what you see on hbo max is the show with retakes mine you know like right. lip flap for Rachel Ghoul is correct, finally, you know. And when you have ACOM, the budget for retakes is instantly blown for multiple episodes. Oof. And I suffered that more than anyone else, I think. You know. Right. Well, maybe because... Frank Parr. Maybe Frank Parr suffered that equally. Oh, Frank, yeah. Frank, definitely. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Frank, Frank would suffer from that too. It's like, you know, yeah. he would get like, you know, he would get a he would get a show that would come in and it's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? It's like just the mistakes that were made. Yeah. No, that mostly from ACOM and Sunrise. You right. know. Don Yang would have problems for episode to episode, but you know, not not on the level that Sunrise. And the problem with those that with Acom and Sunrise is that when Sunrise was using Studios uh, Studio Jade in China, and when you called retakes on that, they didn't have multiplane, they didn't have facilities or personnel to actually clean. Because when you go and call a retake, you take the cell. This is back in the day; nothing is digital. You take the cell, you clean it. You uh, de-static it, you know. Mm-hmm. You brought you, you. There's ways to do it. You wipe it down. You 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 blow air on it. You know. You have like, and then yeah. you repaint it and do a new. Well, on the cell, if, on the cell, or if T right. if it was TMS had a retake, TMS would just take that cell. Whoop, new cell. Wow. They may reuse the cells later on. But they had that ability, you know. They had so that okay. Let's material. let's rewind back to that conversation where you were talking to Bruce. He said, "Acom cannot be a part of this." He said, "I agree." How did TMS come into the picture then? Well, uh, reading the script, Bruce and Alan Burnett just said, "Yeah, got to be TMS." Right. So for this for this one, because you know their experience with the previous episode, and I don't know how much footage came back yet from Acom. But they were having trouble with ACOM, and they knew that it was not gonna, you know, they they this was out of their hands. Yeah, I mean, and, all the morph, uh, all the morphing sequences would have oh, just been well, handled totally differently. And that's them. and that's another thing too. So they give me the they give me this episode. I read it, and it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I'm like, number one, it was like it was it was written very long, and I think mostly what Michael did when he rewrote it was he just added stuff you know he added more shenanigans of what, and Marty, like animation sequences with like clayface yeah. and stuff like that well it was more like the what they wrote and i think the original thing is like i looked at him as like being uh well he's like a gay monster is what mm. i got out of the script 
Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, mean, the, because I, I know you've one, gone on record. You've gone on record and said before that it wasn't intentional, even though it wasn't in your face. That both Teddy and Matt Hagen oh, are in a relationship, clear. and it is clear watching it as an adult. Obviously, as a kid, you don't notice that, but it is yeah. definitely clear, which I think adds an amazing layer yeah. to the whole episode. Just how mean Hagen is! Like what you know? It's like like the Clayface and the Harley Quinn show. Yes, he is a narcissist. He's mm. an actor. And just the fact that, like, he goes through all of this, and it's all about his looks. It's all about him, who he is, him going on. And there's that scene where it's like, you can go on. We can go on. And then he just shoves Teddy out of the way. Yeah. That's completely, that was, I gave that, those sequences to Brad. Um, That's how I brought it up. Okay. You know. And Brad and Brad went and said, "Yeah, this reminds me of a relationship I had about twenty years ago." You know, <laughs> somebody, <laughs> you know, where Teddy comes in with like that giant tray of food. Come on, yeah. why don't you eat something? He wrote, cooked him a whole roast dinner, man. Yeah. Like hours yeah. and hours. Poor guy. Yeah, and and the voice acting's so good. You know, it's like it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. So I'm there, and I read the script, and I'm there with Alan Burnett. And um, I go and I say, okay, I'm going to have to change stuff because the script, if I remember correctly, he was more like Plastic Man. Like Batman walks by a table and the table morphs into Clayface. Oh, so very sort of T-1000 type of. Yeah, it was more like it was more like that. And I think maybe that's what they were going off of, you know, um, Marty and uh, Michael. I think that's what they're going off of was that like he can mimic stuff. Whereas, no, he's an actor, you know, and that's kind of the angle that I wanted to go with. And I said, okay, we're going to do this. Everyone's complained about how complicated the shows are. And it's like, you know, and I went to Alan Burnett and I said, please just, you know, shield me a little bit from this. Cause I'm yeah. going to board it the way we're going to board it the way that we really think it needs to be done. And, and Alan's like, yeah, that's why I want you, but you've got to do one scene for me. And I think Alan had a hand in this one. The one where Germs tries to kill uh, Fox in his uh, oh, hospital with the room. Pi- with the pillow, which I was like, with for a kid's pillows. cartoon, this is, this is dark. Yeah. And then Batman uses that the uh, Bat throwing star. star. Which, yeah. The throwing star, which was outlawed by BS&P. But in this case, it just worked too well that no one could complain about it. It you was know, outlawed it, by BS&P? I didn't know that. Um, it's something that kids could possibly make. Interesting. Know? Yeah, because I've and seen we, it I, in, in other episodes we've reviewed, but I don't remember it going on much after these well, episodes. Was, yeah, it was it was in the early ones, and I and I pulled it into um, I used it in um, the last laugh mainly because yes. uh, Gul- that's when Gulacy was doing Batman, and he instead of the Batarang, he had those the Bat yeah. Stars. Yeah. So and it's like and it's a totally, you know, it's it's a sensible weapon. But then of course, mm. yes, then they they the BSNP did think that that could be mimicked by kids. And I was thinking, yeah, if I was 12 years old, I'd make one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you know when you said that I was like as a kid I'd probably make a throwing star as well because yeah, yeah you can you can yeah. practically get your head around enough of that shape, yeah. So Alan's saying and here's the one thing, and I and I actually pointed out to Alan, I said, and this whole business with Batman punching the wall, 
and just this glass on a shelf overhead. Do you know how hard that is to animate? You know how impossible that is to do? And right. uh, Alan went, I really want that. And I'm like, oh, okay, you got it, Alan. I'll do is it. Is that maybe like, because he's a big fan of Hitchcock. I wonder if that was some sort of Hitchcock connection for him, maybe? Kind of, kind of. I don't know. But it was like, obviously, um, Alan had a hand in that sequence. Mm. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm going to take this part. And this is where Clayface first manifests his powers. We first see them. And that was a real problem sequence because there are like about five or six pages extra to the script where this cop shows up. Yeah. And Batman goes, hey, wait a minute. After he's through and we see that it's seawater and not... The not crimson, crimson fever, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. yeah not crimson fever. Yeah. So... That that's so we we enter there and then there's a whole sequence that was cut out by me and it's like this will be interesting for people to see how when you storyboard what you have to do sometimes and I was the director so I didn't ask for permission I was just you know I asked for permission from Alan Burnett and Bruce and that's it boom like because it's like we don't have time yeah so the script goes on where this cop comes in and says. Hold it right there, Batman. This is my collar. I'll take it from here. And then Batman goes, okay. And he takes germs and he walks downstairs with him. And then Batman ponders and goes, hmm, there's something strange about that uniform. That was the wrong badge or that was the wrong shoulder patch. Oh, okay. And then he, and then he goes downstairs to the street. He goes, where is that cop? And oh, there he is. You know, and then they have a confrontation out there. I don't quite remember what happens, but uh, Clayface, they end up in a big, long fight. And something, a car crashes into a telephone pole. And Clayface is about to kill Batman and electrical wires hit Clayface. All of a sudden, Clayface can't function and he runs away. Okay, so then I guess the like, idea like the idea of that was for later, right? Like later on, because he gets electrocuted. Maybe that's what they were trying to do. Was like Batman yeah, sees a weakness. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, Michael Reeves and Marty are like, "No, that's the most important scene in the whole thing." And I said, "No, no, it's like guy comes in, it's Clayface. We haven't seen him do his powers yet. We know he can mimic. That's all. We know he can mimic people. He's an actor. Mm. He sees you. It's in his mind. He can do it." Yeah, he even does that um, with Batman. He when he sees mm-hmm. Batman, yeah, he changes. We his see head. him. We see it when he's like when he's in that scene with Teddy in the trailer, and they're looking at he's looking at his portraits, and it's kind of unconscious. Yes. And then um, when he does the Doctor, the Doctor walks past, and he just whoop, perfect. He just turns into the Doctor. And then when the cop shows up, we don't know what the cop. The cop was probably from some movie he did. But then, mm. of course. Him being, you know, Clayface. And I just said, no, no. It's like, hey, now just a minute. All we do is like, this is my collar. Just a minute. Guy just turns around, boom, boom. slams him into the ceiling. Yeah. Way Batman's better. Total, yeah. And then you go up to the roof and he's yes. just going to toss this guy to his death. And the thing of him like going, shut up. Pure Alan Burnett. Alan Burnett says, yeah just have him grab a piece of his cheek and slap it on his mouth. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. That I is such it. a great, oh, it's such a great I drew kick. it. I drew it, but Alan Burnett came up with that idea. And I'm like, man, you are a one twisted 
<laughs> but that's so that is so yeah. uh, like alan burnett in the sense of like hitchcock yeah. and everything like i could see mm-hmm. that totally in the hitchcock film just like shut up and slam the mud on his face um and then and then we were like and i had the discussion because i gave because mike's so good i gave him most of the third act you know where all the big animation and the acting happens um in the radio studio um we had discussions about okay because we're boarding at the same time. We're boarding simultaneously. And we had these discussions. Okay, what are his powers? Because Mike said, quite frankly, it's like, I can't do what's in the script. You know, it's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, well, I know it's asking for a lot. <laughs> and it's like, Mike, there's nothing that we can save that can save you for the final sequence. You know, I did the sequence where Batman's in disguise. All he is is like he's in a janitor's overalls and he's just got a hat on. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, of all the disguises Batman's ever had, I felt that's like that was needs. I was like, that's him just being like, I don't have any costumes to wear. This is the only one I got available in the Batcave. So I guess this is what I got. And just put on yeah. a janitor's hat. And like, you could see his gloves. You could see the cow. It was like Zorro when he disguised yes, himself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It, was, it was fun. That was that was the, the entire thought. Like I did that that those bits, and I left the really rough stuff, the the really hard stuff, to uh, Mike. So leading up there, we so we're discussing. Okay, what are his powers? What's he doing? What what's all this? You know, all all you know. We're not going to have him changing into different things. You know, that's not what he is. He's a very personal, mean son of a bitch, right? You know, and it's like so. You know, the whole thing with like where Batman's trying to save germs and he's taking germs and all of a sudden, bam, he just gets hit by this giant brick wall thing. Yeah. You know, and then next it's like, oh, I, get, I hit him with a brick wall. He imagines a brick wall. And then he like, oh, axe, boom, spike, yeah. you know. I can make it's metal like, now. Yeah. 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 And it's like, you know, you know, Morningstar Mace, you know, it's like mm-hmm. things that uh, he can imagine he can do. And then it's at first it's rough, but it's like I love the line where Ron Perlman just goes like, hey, "I'm getting pretty good at this, ain't I?" You know, it's like, yeah, figuring it out. Yeah, yeah, he's figuring yeah. it out, and he's actually even lobster claws. We got we got lobster yeah. claws in there at one point, which was fun. Yeah. Cooked lobster yeah. claws as well, which I thought was great. As an actor, he's probably had so many cooked lobster claws in his life that oh, that's yeah. what instantly came to mind, which was funny. So, yeah, you mentioned Ron Perlman there. How did the casting of Ron Perlman come to be for Clayface? What do you know about that whole phase? Um, well, we were always, uh, you know, that's always Andrea. Yeah. Um, Andrea would say, you know, and Ron Perlman had been in, like, he was in POV. He played Driller. Oh, of course um, he did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep. So he he's, and he, as a voice actor, he was, like, uh, part of the, the whole Hollywood group that would do voice acting. He was just one of those guys. The really great performance in this one, though, belongs to Ed Begley Jr. as as Germs. As Germs, yeah, he's amazing. That is an amazing uh, performance. The emotion and stuff that you get out of him. Yeah, yeah. You know? All of these diseases and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. could be infected. Yeah, it's yeah, like, I love that. It doesn't even sound like Ed Begley Jr., no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't at all. Yeah, he's a great character. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, we've also got Ed Asner, you know, as Roland Daggett. Oh. He's just 
an incredible at one point God. you know like i'm watching like ron pelman and ed asner just like going at it like verbally with one another i'm like these are two outstanding actors just like yeah. giving their a game for a batman cartoon you know it's yeah. amazing no it's like it, and um, watching these guys perform in the booth was so good ron perlman like it's it's like ron perlman gave this like he, he when he re- read the script he understood what an asshole Matt Hagen is. Mm. Like Clayface, it's like Matt Hagen is really an evil bastard. Yeah, he's and a it user. really comes through. Yeah. He enjoys what he's doing. It's like he's become this monster, and he's just embracing it. Yeah, you know. So with Clayface becoming the monster, you mentioned that he was kind of like Plastic Man, like or T one thousand and such like that, morphing into tables. Uh, what would what do you remember about like I know Bruce Tim obviously did the 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 design of the characters. Do you remember yeah. like seeing different faces of Clayface going from one to the nope. other, or was it always just that one design that was, was the first? That we had the design, and then um, we just boarded it, right? And it went to TMS, and the whole that whole end sequence in the booth where he's going, he's influenced by what he's seeing. It's like can't become all of them not at once you know batman actually kind of batman does stop him but he doesn't stop it quite in time and so he's just morphing into all these different things and i just went and mike came in and he's like i mean we just had the talk where we're supposed to be saving money i say mike just all i can do is say go for it and i'm just gonna close my eyes Right. And we're gonna right. and we're gonna ship it. I'm not gonna listen to anyone. You know, it's like it's not going to the story editors. It's like I'm not gonna look at anyone's notes. It's like it's just got to go overseas now. And because it's a two-parter and it had to be done. Yeah, and also, and, I mean, you've got two parts going to two different animation studios, and besides a few things I notice, like uh the renew uh the cream that Renew, yeah, you. renew you sorry yeah that was um that was slightly different looking in part one than yeah. part two uh yeah. like little differences like matt hagan's trailer but for the most part it was it was pretty identical so to have two different animation studios that have no idea that they're both animating two different episodes pretty much that must be all down to storyboarding right like those detailed storyboards yeah. must be the thing that carries it yeah. through so how how like you show me storyboards of the cat and the claw part one and like how detailed that intro is of like Catwoman mm-hmm. scaling the building how detailed did you guys go for feet of clay part two? Oh, incredibly de- detailed yeah like this was as tight a board as uh any anyone it's the thing about the animation studio if you look at the animation of that this episode there are you can tell slight differences where and and i broke it up by sequences so i did the hospital sequences and i did you know the booth and and several and the connecting studio stuff okay um you know in the the tv studio uh brad did um the relationship with uh teddy and uh, matt mm-hmm. brad handled all those um, they are right off of the board, the designs. Um, and they really like, like the scene we were talking about where Teddy comes in, Hey Matt, why don't you get some shut eye? You know, and he has like the dinner. It's like, yeah, 
purebred postures, purebred, um, and we're all following the same character designs. But there, there is a, you don't notice it because we're each doing different sequences. We're not like bumping into each other. But like that whole end sequence, every pose was there in the board. Every pose was there. What is happening to uh, Clayface is in the board that drawn by Mike. And, it, and the board looks like Mike. The postures of Batman when he gets slammed back. That's, you know, that's a Mike drawing. Right. But the animators, the animator, I don't know what TMS did, where they got the people. This episode, right, we sent it out. It came back two weeks early. It's like, and it's the only time I can think and of. And no, no reshoots or anything or redos. We had say. one retake. I can only think of one retake. And that was because Batman... When the cop takes germs and leaves, mm -hmm. Batman goes and recovers on the table. And he, after getting slammed into the ceiling, he runs out and he bursts into the stairwell. And the sign above him said Starris instead of stairs. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's all I remember retaking. That's all I remember. Um, we just were like blown away. Wow, we, that's we were just yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, maybe some color correction, um, technical, maybe retakes, but no, th that episode it came back early, and we were just watching that end sequence. And I don't know what TMS did, but they must have farmed it out to some. It, it's TMS. It could have gone to Studio Ghibli mm -hmm. to do, to get that level of animation that quickly, and. Uh, it could have gone to um, whoever the animator, the particular animator was. Um. Well, it's interesting you say that because there's a sequence where uh, in the Batcave, Batman is testing Clayface's clay yeah. with electricity to see how it affects it. Which... Yeah. yeah, and by the way, the electricity problem, okay, 10 pages of the script, maybe, maybe it was only seven. But a big chunk of the script out the window. It's like, yeah. now we're on time. Brad, just have him poke it with an electric thing, and it goes through. And Brad yep. came up with those abstract sculpture pose to pose to pose of that chunk of clay. Perfect. Yeah, and that's yeah. all you need. And that's also that's great because then Batman's being a detective more in the cave, which I love yes. more than him learning. You know, as he's out there, I love him going back and studying stuff and figuring it all out. And Alfred's perfect to have exposition with. So in the Batcave. There's a very bright orange look to the walls and yep. some of the computers. And it's almost like a sunrise, like it's got lots of reds, yellows and oranges in it. And I noticed TMS also uh, did Read My Lips, you know, the Scarface yep. episode. And that also has very bright orange back computers, green screens with mm -hmm. like audio waves. And that must have been their take on the Batcave. That's the only thing I yeah. can think of that I see, because you don't see that Batcave and that, that looks that color, yeah. that color palette like those episodes yeah. by TMS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and here's an aside, just on TMS, taking, taking their own initiative. They animated that opening that Bruce storyboarded, you know, heavily graphic, you know, hard blacks against, you know, Reds what? And, like, I should know uh, that's da, da, TMS. Da, da, da. I should know that's them, but I didn't know that, well, that they did that. Yeah, it 
doesn't it doesn't look too much like TMS. It could have been any mm. number of studios because it's so stylized. Right. Um, and I remember Bruce did that. I like they were trying to get me to do an opening, and I just went to Bruce and I said, Bruce, you've got to do the opening. I was still working on uh, on leather wings at that time, doing sure. I was doing layouts and I was redoing layouts. And I didn't really have the time. And I and yeah, I'd done a lot of openings for a lot of shows, you know, like Ghostbusters and uh, Cops and you know, actually, I didn't do cops. Peter Chung ended up doing that, but I did a lot of openings at Deke. You know, a lot of Saturday morning cartoon openings. So Bruce wanted me to do a take on it, and I was like, "Bruce, you got to do it." And it's like, ah, you know, I said, "Come on, it, you just got to do what you and Eric did on the trailer, except you know, do your, do your, you know, you, you're, you're, mm. you're, you know, it's like you're the stylist." You know, it's like I, I, I yeah. Can't it's do this. it's it, at the end of the day, you're the one yeah, who made the, the show the, look the way it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the best person for it. So he did that sure. whole stylized thing, and he really went to the wall with style, even more so than that little trailer that they did to sell the show. Sure, um, and it's great. And one day I'm sitting there working, and I can't even remember which episode I was working on, um, but I'm in my office is right next to Bruce, and Bruce goes, "Come here." And I'm like, okay, Bruce, what do you, what's the matter? Look at this. Look at this shit. And he shows me what TMS sent. And they took his storyboards and animated the living hell out of it. Where you see, like, the, the bank robbers, full detail. Full detail. I don't think Bruce ever sent them a model other than a silhouette. But they took it on themselves to come up with this whole style and it was squash and stretch and some of the most beautiful animation you ever saw that opening bruce is like can you believe it it's like they totally blew it and i'm going well it was supposed to be what it turned out to be right i see okay so and you too see, much detail to faces and stuff oh no you 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 guys didn't see it i saw it i don't know where that footage went it disappeared interesting but it was tms on fire like they they animated everything on ones it was crazy wow okay did, so that, that did not that's gone totally, forever now. totally totally way off model way right. off model uh you know beautiful but way off model not you know it's like it was their own version of batman <laughs> animated series and that got buried. I don't know where that went. I would love to see it again because I, I, I mean, I've, I would love to see it for the first yeah. time. That sounds great and different. I, a, an alternative opening, which is the same, but just having a more TMS detail. It sounds very interesting. I mean, I yeah. love the the opening. Don't get me wrong. It's obviously it's the perfect opening no. for the show. Well, but, see, yeah. that's that is the point. And Bruce was completely correct. It's like, yeah, yeah. no, no, you guys follow the board, follow the style. Follow the design and don't, you know, don't muck about, you know, mm -hmm. which then they were, they were showing off and they were giving it to like their best animators. But it was like, oh my God, it was, it was, it was magnificent, but it was so wrong. It was so wrong. <laughs> and what, and what ended up coming back, of course, is a perfect opening. And especially, sure. especially, especially when they, the way they did it with no credits, no title. Yeah, no. yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, with, with this episode, going back to Feet of Clay, they really, they got to be their full TMS selves, right? Like, yeah. obviously, they were following your, your detailed storyboards, but 
the the morphing sequence, not just at the end, which is obviously the, just outstanding to watch and and so detailed, but just to how they did Clayface, how his movement went, and, yep. you know, and how he just like it looked believable with the things that he was shaping, creating. I really like the look of their Batman. There's just like there's something particular about the cow and the way they oh, do the ears that I really they, like by TMS. They're, they're the only studio, maybe there was one other one in the but the whole thing with Batman um punching the wall, the whole sequence in the hospital with germs. Mm. Um the animation I had no right to expect that glass jar to animate as well as it did. Right, yeah. Um because it needed it really needed to. And like even even if you look at like the simple stuff where yeah, I did the poses, but the animation is like where he goes, yeah, you know, Hagen's good, but no, you know, but no one is that good. And just the way that he, you know, turns to the camera and and just like and the way that they animated his eyes, mm. it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's like I can take, I can lay claim to the poses, but the animator on that sequence is like, thank you. That stuff with the seawater instead of crimson fever such it's such a subtle bit of animation you know tells the whole story and like yeah Yeah. absolutely you don't need any and tms tms is the only studio i think at that time that really i mean they pulled it off with time to spare that's the amazing thing yeah that is amazing i mean there's so many great sequences like uh alfred and his very fancy driving outfit that we see for the first time in this with his fancy hat that was another thing Again, just to show, like, and and by the way, the story editors tried to get me fired over this one. They oh, yeah, this, okay, go they, on. They said, have you seen this footage? You know, and showed it to Alan Burnett. And it's like, have you seen this? Look how he screwed up. We're going to get you out you know? And it's like, and Alan Burnett was like, no, I really like it. <laughs> you know? So what was, but, what was the sequence? Oh, they were oh. trying? okay, here's, okay, another example. Uh, the beginning of the show happens, okay. Bruce Wayne gets out of jail, blah, blah, blah. The, you know, the press is there. Bruce Wayne goes home, goes to the Batcave, hangs out in the Batcave. Harumph, harumph. They're looking at the computer, coming up with ideas. But, right. And then he, and then from the Batcave, he gets into the Batmobile and he goes across town and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, that's three pages too long. Yeah. Batman comes down the steps. Alfred's waiting for him. Window, the door closes, window goes up, he pulls out of a briefcase, the bat cowl. Done. And and what I love about that sequence is the angle that you choose, where Alfred yeah. is looking in the rearview mirror, and you see just a shadowy Bruce Wayne figure, and yep. then the next thing you know, you see the bat yep. cowl come on, and then you see Sha- Batman shadow. Instantly, you you uh, you don't need to know anything else. You're just like, okay, he's Batman yeah. now. He runs out the car and he's off in Gotham. It's nighttime. He's doing his yeah. Batman thing. Easy, like that's yeah. great. And then, um, and then I actually, it's like just to show you the difference between writers, uh, Marty Pasco and Michael Reeves were furious at me over that. Furious. Interesting. Ah, you can't do that. You can't change our script. Um, Marv Wolfman who I also mm. knew, um, who I saw right after it came on the air. But Marv Wolfman came up to me and he said, oh, man, it's like, you did that so well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. 
he loved it. There you go, then. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how did how did Marv Wolfman get involved in these episodes then? Because he's obviously a very well known comic book character creator. You know, some of the some of the greatest, like yeah. Teen Titans. You well, know, he and worked on a lot Blade. of animation. Yeah he, yeah, he worked on a lot of animation. He wrote okay. a lot of animation scripts. I mean, I know later on from what I saw, I mean, I guess there was a few before Batman, definitely. Yeah. But like after Batman, his from his credits on IMDb, like we, you know, Spider-Man, the animated series was another big one that he yeah. was on. But yeah, I was just curious how that all came to be. But if he was already yeah. in animation, that makes sense. But I think it was, uh, you know, Marty was a comic book guy. So yep. he would pull in things. And, and Paul, you know, was friends with a lot of the comic book writers. So I don't know exactly who who is the connection, but you know, having Marv Wolfman write a script is like you know, or Len Wein, you know, it's, yeah. it's like it's easy, and they and they were all Los Angeles people anyway, right? You know? They were right there. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like um, it's just great because, as you said, they're coming book creators, so they get it. But uh, there's a lot going on with Clayface because it's the combination of two different Clayfaces, if I'm correct, from the comics. Because yeah. you've got the one that's out for revenge, and then you've got the other one that's the actor. Um, and you yeah. kind of combine both of them and then name them Matt Hagen, which I believe was the second Clayface in the, in yeah. the comics. Um, do you remember any choice behind that and like combining it with the writer's choice to do all of that? We had the design that Bruce came up with because that, you know, that was barely in the first episode, but we had Bruce's design and that's really cool. We went off of because it was totally, it was totally different than like the Marshall Rogers clay face, mm. you know, where, you know, he's, you know, this troubled scientist with like the encased, uh, the, the outfit that encases him and stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was very different. And and we were very conscious of, you know, not doing the comic book, you know. But still obviously paying odes to it, but doing your own thing. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's 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 great because you've taken another, let's call Clayface a C-list character, right? Like not very yeah. well known until the animated series. And, yeah. you know, a lot like Mr. Freeze, a lot like Two-Face, taking these characters that people might recognize but weren't really in batman 66 i mean mr freeze was but still it wasn't that yeah. version and just totally giving them a whole new backstory that you know is designed mm-hmm. around tragedy and it's obviously it those beats are very hitchcock and and you know and there's sort of like some great horror movie like 50s horror movie feel to clayface like swamp thing yeah. and things like that or like the creature from the black lagoon and yeah, I mean, that's obviously why, you know, I do a podcast and we're talking about this right now is, you know, those serious beats going into it. But it's also the surrounding characters like Roland Daggett. Do you know where that character came from? Because I'm not sure if he's a comic book originally uh, or if he's. I think he was, I believe he was created for this script specifically. I thought he was. Yeah. 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 I believe and, I believe it was original, just an original concept. And again, I'm sure you'll you'll say that was all Andrea. But do you remember any like Ed Asner? Uh, situations or seeing him record Roland Daggett lines, like how that all came to be? Well, that's, uh, yeah, it's, again, you know, Andrea picked the actors and, uh, you know, she would go and talk to you beforehand about things. But I think, you know, Ron Perlman and uh, like Asner, just she knew that they would pull it off, you know. And then the actors would actually get to see their character designs 
So they would kind of know who they were and they would, you know, and they would, they would just, you know, embody the character um, right there. And yeah, a lot of it's ad-libbed. A lot of it's ad-libbed. I was asked questions at the recording and I don't really recall what they were, except that, uh, you know, you might come up with stuff like, you know, Ed Ed Asner in the studio, it's like a a delivery of a line. I said, oh, no, no, you're really nervous here. Yeah, we will do it like you're nervous, you know, because like when he's when this old lady, when this big lady's coming down the aisle and walking to him and uh, challenging him. Yeah, uh, we had. you know, you might give some some uh, indications to him. You, you describe what's happening. You know, yeah. more than the yeah. script. And then he says, "Got it, got it, got it." You know, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and that that definitely reads on screen. Oh, and I don't know if anyone noticed, and I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, it was on purpose. But we had uh, Daggett's henchman, you know, Torpedo, and I think Weasel his. Uh, partner right two gunslingers who are like you know who are gonna draw on on clayface and he just throws a gob of uh, <laughs> a gob of clay and just plugs up their guns and they just see a boss they just run off they're gone you know? oh i didn't even recognize them that was so quick yeah because they come yeah. back in like uh, i think like i am the night no not i am the night um yeah something just designs that were reused yeah yeah yeah, I, I remember them now, yeah. So the only thing I can think of um, that's left to talk about in this amazing episode is just the top-tier music from Shirley Walker. Oh, the theme, yeah, I can't even... Oh, the Clayface theme. Like, I remember when we were talking last time, you were talking about going to the booth and hearing Two-Face music for the first time. Did you have any experience like that with this, or was it just uh, just brought upon you and you're like yep, it was, that's, that's it that's yeah, awesome yeah that's i mean when when the music came back it's like the theme is the thing about mad hagen is it's tragic it's yeah. terrible it's all in the music it's like it's tragic and yet he's a monster he is evil he really is evil and it's like and it's all about him it's all about his personal vengeance, what's happened yep. to him. You know, but me, 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 me. That's all he is. It's like in the way he treats Teddy, and especially at the ending. And again, it is like, you know, the fact that it was a choice that we actually, and Brad drew that sequence where he's like, where we hear about Matt Hagen, you know, the corpse that's in there is a shell. Mm-hmm. Batman's like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a shit wasn't a shell. You know, he fooled me. And then you cut outside, and it's like, see you later, Matt. Yeah, and saying goodbye. And then, and you see this attractive lady behind him start laughing this evil, nasty yeah. laugh. And uh, eyes go that, yellow, which I love. That's yeah. how Clayface reveals himself before he morphs into Clayface. Yeah. Is his eyes go yellow? It's very like. Uh, just old school horror vibes you know what i mean like possession or something you know when you see that mm-hmm. in old films or even like evil dead you've got that in there yeah. as well and i i love all of that it's just such a great little hint as an audience member it's, you're like and oh again, that's clayface that's great yeah yeah and it's like and again what a prick yeah what a no. rotten guy <laughs> it's like just teddy's yeah, to hit, teddy teddy's, do that yeah teddy's torn up even after as badly as he's been treated you know, he loves, he loves Matt. He's yeah. always loved him. He's helped him. 
He's even helped him in his career of crime impersonations, mm. you know, because yeah. he, he has total sympathy for him. He never loses it. And at the end, it's like, see you later, Matt. And he's walking off sad. And and Matt Hagen thinks that him impersonating it, a girl is just the funniest thing that he's standing right next to his ex-lover and he just right. thinks it's funnier than hell. Yeah. And it's and a laughs. total evil. It's an evil laugh. Yeah, it is. It really is an evil laugh. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant. And that's when that music turns. Like Shirley Walker has that tragedy, but she also has that like dun 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 like evil theme yeah. to that music as well when it turns. Like when Teddy yeah. finds him in part one and you know, and he sees what he is, and you hear that that music change when Clayface sees his reflection. It's just a it's a it's a really brilliant episode. I know you know, mm-hmm. uh, well, this is me obviously um, being circumstantial here, but I think the idea was let's put our best first, right? Like yeah. I know Cat the Claw part one and two, well, part one went first because Batman Returns, Catwoman's in it. They were trying yeah. to obviously bring that around because that was coming out soon. And then they're like, okay, Leather Wings, that's obviously the first episode. Let's do that. And then they were straight into doing Heart of Ice. And then, yeah. Uh, Clayface yeah. part one and two was was the first two parter that went back to back because, like I said, Cat and the Claw was broken mm. up. Um, and it I, I, look, you know, Heart of Ice, another tragic villain. Clayface, just the same. You know, I know it was the heavy hitters. You know, that I can yeah. see why they went first. They're they're just brilliant episodes, and obviously, you know, part one. Uh, you know, Acom. I I still think. They did an okay job. Like when we reviewed well, part one, I that was, was Acom uh, going to the wall. They, they, that was their absolute best. Like they're, right. they're probably killing themselves to do that level. Yeah, and it, you know what? And it, it looked better than a lot of their other episodes. I mean, mm. that whole Batwing interrogation scene. Yeah, is is great. Oh, that's what I meant to ask you. You're a big aviation um, yeah. fan. Did you have any before we go? Did you have any say on the design of the Batwing at all? Did you have anything that you like no. put your finger? No, did you just sit back and? I, like, if you'll notice in all of my episodes, I refused to have the Batwing because here we have this world. Bruce Wayne is driving a Cord, a 1936 Cord, I think. Not mm-hmm. sure exactly the year that it was based on. The cars are Duesenbergs, and you know, and uh, it's all retro, and all of the aircraft. The Studa Studebaker is another Alfred yeah. one that he mentioned. Yes, yeah. right, yeah. and then and then all of the aircraft are based on you know, golden age of aviation kind of aircraft. Yep. You know, in Bane, he lands and basically, I you know, they're based on B twenty four bombers and uh, DC threes and things like right. that. And then you have the Batmobile, which is kind of very modern, but that could have been made in the 30s, too. That streamlined deco look. The Bat Cycle, same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have the Batwing, which is a goddamn (laughs) flying saucer. And it's like, really? Fucking hovering? Hover? Hover? And it's making a I humming mean, noise. It's like look, no. I love I love the Batwing because obviously it's my it's Batwing that I saw. But it's I get it, design. man. Like you know, it, it, fitting well, with his other his other vehicles, it does stand out a bit. Yeah, in Avatar, Michael had Bruce Wayne leave from the Batcave to go and see Talia, 
and he flies to Gibraltar or whatever in mm. the bat wing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm taking that out. <laughs> Interesting. And, I just like, and you just have a sequence. It's like, yeah, no, if he gets on an airliner, he's flying first class, I'm sure. Right. Um, he needs time to study and to figure out where he's going, you know, and it's like so like Indiana just, Jones used to do, yeah, you know, on a plane. To, yeah. yeah. Off an, an adventure. Image. Yeah. Just with an image, you uh, you know, boom, you're there. Mm-hmm. In the bat wing. It's like just oh man, it's like all this cool retro stuff. So yeah, you've avoided the bat wing. Oh, I took it the- out. I, I, I refuse <laughs> to draw that thing. To this day, I have never drawn the Batwing. And it's not saying it's not a cool design, but I'm going like, you know, like I said, deco, retro, cool Batmobile, cool Batcycle. What the hell is this thing? (laughs) It's like, oh, I kind of want, I would love to see what your take on the Batwing. Oh, I'll tell you what my my take on the Batwing would be. Um, I wanted a GB Racer. A GB, you know, I'm, I'm gonna Google that right now. What's a GB yeah, race? It's like, like it's it's the plane that only a genius, like a genius pilot like Jimmy Doolittle could fly. It killed the designer who flew it. It was just an engine right. it's, uh, from the Rocketeer. The Rocketeer has a GB. It's a modified okay. one. All right, but let if me, you look let at me the original myself. The original GB is what led to the design of the P47. It's basically the biggest engine made at the time and as small a fuselage as possible kevin this to, is what you wanted the batwing to be oh yeah and it's like it's an, like it was, a little, it's like a little chubby plane it's like a little it thumb is. with wings. it is it is the coolest one of the coolest <laughs> aircraft designs ever Think I about can't, it though. Look, I can't Flying, say I, I I don't see it. I can't say I agree with you, but that's still it's really interesting. That's what yours yeah, would have basically like. basically like a GB racer with scallops on it or an auto gyro. And if okay. you remember, uh, same thing in um, when we go and we Rachel Google finally shows up. You'll notice like the retro, almost Victorian style aircraft that he has, mm. but. In um, off balance, where we introduce it, what the um, the Shadow Society, what they're flying, are basically GB style auto gyros. So right. if Batman in this era, if in this era, if he's flying around in the city like the Shadow, he would have an auto gyro. And but the, the Batwing, you know, being like the super fast um, for that Jet. style, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or or like the Hughes H one would be another design I would have gone for. Okay. You know, with a bat stuck to it. And that kind of sure. leads, it, leads itself, lends itself to the technology. Oh, that's that. Yeah, stuff. I'm looking at that now. That's that's cooler than the last one. In well, it's, yeah, I'm it's, just thinking about me as a kid, right? Like buying all these toys because obviously I had every action oh, figure. For I would, I would want to have, I, I'd want to have. Uh, you would, you would, but I don't know like, how. With the bat scallops on it. Oh, man, that'd be, so, it's just nothing but an engine with a cockpit. Yeah, and, that's. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can see with the hues where that could come into play with the Batwing. Yeah, but um, but the whole thing of like yeah. a hovercraft, you know, the, 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 yeah, the, where it hovers and it's like, what the hell? How's this? It's like there isn't even the technology of a Harrier jet, and there are no jets in this world. There aren't no, any jet it's, aircraft. It's, but that's that's the question mark about Batman the animated series because it is so obviously 
based in this like 30s time period yeah. however you get dates on uh pieces of paper yeah. or the newspaper are saying it's the 1992 and 1993 yeah. and obviously because they're trying to you know say this is yeah. happening right now for the modern audience back then but you know i'm like in what well, world does this look like it's this? another it is another world it's it another is, yeah. it's another world and that's why it plays now and you it, have, it's timeless yeah yeah and it's like there's no cell phones mm-hmm. there are no cell phones in this world um this car is, phone a, maybe that's it and yeah yeah car phones um same thing with mass the phantasm it's another alternate universe and it was the present but this world tvs are still black and white you know yeah that's just yeah. ubiquitous it's like most most tvs you'll see a color tv here and there um but for the most you know, part you're right yeah, but for the most is. part they're done and that's completely intentional um yeah and then it's, cars, it's another world like baker you know that's the 30s you know yeah. totally so and yeah then, it's and just to great. show you like and then you have like i worked on spectacular spider-man mm-hmm. where greg greg weissman who you know was like this was the world that he was creating and yes it's spider-man new york but it's happening in new york and the whole thing is here's it's the first time I think where Spider-Man's flying around and he'll get a phone call from his girlfriend and like, yeah, yeah. And he's like running away from Craven the Hunter and he's talking on the cell phone. And the way he wove things that were totally because so much of it took place in high school, he wove in what is familiar to high school kids now, which is the audience, into that high school. Right. Like they have they have mentions of tater tots and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so that, but that for that show, that's what made that one unique. You know, that Spider Man. Whereas for this, this is a totally different world, and like it plays. I mean, I I've been going to comic conventions, you know, different all over the country in different places, and I'm getting like all these young people coming up to me and just talking about Batman the animated series. It's the first time they're seeing it is on HBO. Yeah. Yeah, they do not question this world. They don't go, "Hey, where's the cell phones?" You know, yeah. they don't. They don't. They don't question it. They just go with it. They you know? go with the reality, and it's because of the storytelling and the animation and yeah. everything that really carries that that through. I mean, it's just about to come on Netflix here in the UK, and yeah. I think in Canada because we don't have HBO uh, or Max now, as it's called it over here. Um, and I know that there's going to be a spike probably in listenership for us and i love that and i also love that so many more people will have access to watching the show now you know because without buying it on a streamer or on dvd here you don't have it anywhere else you know you have to buy it like digital or or through or dvd or blu-ray okay okay alex i got a question Mm -hmm. for you yeah you know and this is going back to our earlier conversations would you object to a spitfire version of the bat plane <laughs> oh imagine a spitfire with scallops no i would elliptical. not object i would not object to wouldn't that wouldn't that look wouldn't that look cool that would look cool i agree i but yeah. i i mean i'm a spitfire fan because my father is as i explained off pod but i i can see that way more now i may be a bit biased but over the other ones you showed me what well, the hughes was actually pretty cool but the little yeah. chub, the little chubby thumb with wings, man. I can't, get, I can't, I can't. That would be like the plane that came out of the bat wing, you know, like the mini bat wing that he would fly. No. I could see that. Being see, the a thing, thing is, it's like for flying through the city, 
or flying through the city, which is what yeah. Batman does. You need, you don't, you, you can't get a, you know, like a Spitfire would be like clipping the buildings. Sure. You know? Well, that Batwing is, is in the show. It's massive. It changes size sometimes. Yeah, It's 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 too big. It's too big. It's too weird. And it's like the whole animation cheat that every, and every artist that drew the sequences with it embraced the hover. Sure. It's like you couldn't even give me a short landing with the thing. It's like no, it hovers, <laughs> and then and then bad, and then Bruce Wayne. He also has technology where he goes like, yeah, just hits a button. It's like yeah, follow me like a dog. You know, it's like it'll follow you around. It's got its own brain. <laughs> oh, just, oh, just, just so, too I love how I love how much you did you didn't like that. I think that's really great because yeah. obviously there's so much that you did on this show. And there's so much positivity, but it's really nice to hear the one thing where you're like, you know what? I never really, that was never me, which is, which is great, man. Like, you know, I'd love to see a Spitfire Batwing. If you ever draw that, please share that with me because I think that would look, (laughs) I think I can, I can already start to picture some of it in my mind. I think that would look so damn cool. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's that's a that's yeah. a great choice. And then instead of the roundel, you've just got the bat signal. It's circular anyway. Right. With the bat signal. That would be right. so cool. See, I love See? that. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. <laughs> All right, you've convinced me on that one at least. You knew you knew how to play me on that one. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. This has been such no a great and, and, and a way extensive chat, which I, I really appreciate. So many facts there to share with all our listeners. Is there anything um, that you're working on that you can share right now before we jet off? Um, well, I've, I mean, I, I was working with Paul Dini and Alan Burnett, and I did, uh, which came out pretty recently, a few months ago. Uh, well, actually, quite a few months ago now. But Batman Adventures Continue. Yeah, um, awesome. I did the I did that, and it's like, and I'm not sure yet, but I'm looking. Hopefully, I'll be doing more with uh, Alan and Paul, um, okay. comic book wise. Um, the strike is still going on in Los Angeles, so God knows <laughs> what the next yeah, what the next what the next shows are going to be. Um, yeah, it's it, it is affecting animation, like it's it's affecting everyone in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and it's not a good thing. It's not good. It's like there's there's people are suffering. And, yeah, uh, uh, it's it's a really hard situation from what I've read and seen uh, being over here. But just how uh, none of the studios are even ready to play ball yet. You know, they're just no. waiting for people to no. lose houses and stuff is just awful. Yeah. And it's like the fact that someone was so comfortable. And, and again, shout out to Ron Perlman. I don't know if, if you go on. I saw that could, video. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. Thank you, Ron. And it's like, and yeah. he's he's one of the actors that's probably sitting pretty. He doesn't like, you know. No, yeah, absolutely. Sons of Anarchy I, already like paid yeah. all his bills. Hellboy. I mean, the list goes on, yeah. you know. And I and I go like Fran Drescher. She doesn't have to say anything. She mm-hmm. can play along. She's got you know. She's you know just from the nanny or or whatever. You know, she doesn't have to say anything, and yet she's coming out and they're fighting for you know. Um, they're fighting for the little guys, like the actors that are extras that, you know, they'll do stage plays. They'll do, um, and they're quite accomplished. They'll do like, you know, plays and uh, different things around town just because they love acting. Yeah. And they'll do stand up and things like that, but you can't make a living at that. 
No. Um, not living in Los Angeles and not with any no kind way. of style. Um, and so it is about the little guys. It is about the people who create props. It's about the people who build sets. Um, yeah, or it's about it's the like, people that, like, you know. Caterers. Exactly. Know? Yeah, or, like, would write, like, one script of a TV episode, you know, yeah. and that's it. And then yeah. try and find the next thing, not on a series. And the the fact that there's been no residuals, you know, uh, I know that a lot of people that would bounce around from TV shows or act in, you know, one episode of something or yeah. one little bit in a movie, like, the residuals is what helped them to the next thing, you know, but because yeah. the streamers have changed all of that, they're not yeah. getting, I mean, people like there's a, there was the orange is the new black. There was a cast member. That show was fucking huge on Netflix and probably still is very popular. She showed mm-hmm. a check of her residuals for three years and it was a couple hundred bucks. And you're like, what? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. crazy. Hey, welcome to the club. You know? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't get anything. Shit. I get like, I don't get anything, you know? No, I don't. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. so everyone thinks that we're all sitting here on a giant pile of cash, mm-hmm. and uh, some people maybe are, but most are not. You know, actors. It's like they they specifically, and, it, and it's weird that um, the top money earners, when they look at the problem with a budget, they always go to the people who are the little guys, and like say there's a an actress that because she's pretty and she has a certain look um a director wants her for a sequence just to be in the background at the bar and say the bar is we're going to be filming at this location for the next five or six days that's five or six days that this actress has to make what little bit of money you know the daily rate that she gets right um now they want to make that an hour we're only paying you for an hour and we're going to take your picture in the costume or whatever. And we're going to mimic it and we're going to do it in CG. And you have to sign in order to get paid. You have to sign this piece of paper, giving us the right to your use your likeness in perpetuity in perpetuity. It's crazy. I know it's, it's like, disgusting. Yeah. It's not a question of AI being able to do it. You know, and that's another thing. Oh, but AI and, you know, technology now and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not, that's not the question. The question is just fair is fair. And quality, you know, you don't just throw quality out the window. Because what actors bring to things, even if it's just small, well, like we were talking about Egg Begley Jr. There's mm-hmm. small nuances. There's There's things that actors bring to it there's things that artists bring to these you know absolutely individual individual touches there's things that animators bring to it that you just don't mimic and for the audience out there when you're watching some elaborate gigantic thing on netflix where like you know giant haymaker fights by superheroes and you're going there's a lot of explosions and stuff going on but i am bored to tears i don't know why well, right. that's why, because there's no personality to it. There isn't that zing that artists bring to it, whether the artist is an actor or a musician or whatever. Um, and that's what the fight's about. That's what the strikes are about right now. Because I'll tell you, the actors out there, that they are suffering just like I'm suffering, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
it's like in and Los Angeles has become very expensive place to live. And when I say Los Angeles, I'm including Burbank, the Valley, you know, just the whole area. Nothing. It's like just buying food is so expensive now. If anyone notices, you'll you'll notice the notice the people who are quiet about the situation. Who Mm -hmm. um, benefit from it, you know, or don't Mm -hmm. care, you know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. know, And they they cater to them as well. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show again and sharing all of that stuff about Feet of Clay Part 2. It is instantly up there as one of my new favourite episodes. Um, I would, you know, it's it's we go through these episodes and we we haven't found one that has rivaled on Leather Wings yet for just the perfect (laughs) animation with music and story and voice acting just on leather wings is just pitch perfect for us it's so amazing and i would say that uh, for me at least personally this is 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 equal to on leather wings or might slightly beat it up because you can't have part two without part one and that's the only thing why i think on leather wings slightly beats it out and again this is all my opinion you know, because part one is good, but it's no part two, in my opinion, of, of Feet of Clay. But it's just astounding. Like, when I watched this the other day, I was just like, this is another level of this show that has just gone straight up. You know, like, it's yeah. watching these episodes, you're like, okay. And then you get to, like, Two-Face part one and two, and you're like, oh, fuck me, this is good. And then you're going a bit further along, and then you get to, like, Heart of Ice, and you're like, Jesus, this is another level. And then you get to this, and it's like, this is another level as well. So hats off to you, man, like you and everybody behind these episodes. Just incredible work. And and thank you for not only coming on this podcast, but for doing the show and and, and making this amazing episode. Well. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say, right? <laughs> what, can, what else can you say? I, um, you know, it's I, I love doing it, and um, I really appreciate when people really uh, appreciate it, and I, I love that they still love it, and uh, they just keep coming back, and uh, and uh, just the fans, the fan base grows. It does, know? yeah. It does, yeah. especially for this show. Yeah, there's there's parents introducing their kids, and that that continues yeah. on, which is really great to see. Well, um, you're talking about they they keep on coming back. I will certainly come back. I'm sure and drop in your <laughs> okay. your inbox again when it comes to more facts about shows. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And until next time, take care, Kevin. You too. Thanks a lot. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? All right, bud, that was so great. I'm so glad I could share all of that because there's so much great information in that interview. I mean, first of all, like, I love how they approached him and said, hey, you know, we've got this great idea for this episode and it's got all these details about, you know, the specific animation and Clayface and he's like, you know, this big monster that can morph into anything. And he's like, we literally just had the conversation where we're going to cut back on these crazy animation requests because we have to send them back overseas so many times because they keep on fucking up. And now you're giving me this. Like, I think it's hilarious, but also that's how, you know, this episode was born. They were like, we can't go to ACOM. We've got to go to someone new and someone that's going to give us the best animation possible. And that's how we got Feet of Clay Part 2, which is which is awesome. It is awesome. And then also we've got the animation sequences. Uh, they got back. 
were so good that there were barely any corrections that they even needed to add. So it's like not only did they get the best animation possible, but they didn't even need to send it back. So they saved money, which is great. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I think it still might be the best animated episode we've watched so far. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it's in my top three because we're doing that kind of sort of sometimes it's it's combined sometimes it's not combined it's there's no rules (laughs) but yeah i would definitely say it's the the best animated episode closely followed by on leather wings but i think it just beats out on leather wings that scene when he's transforming into all his roles i think beats out any animation in the entire show yeah yeah i mean i I don't want to say for sure until we get to some other episodes but I can't think of many that were top it, so maybe you're right. Maybe that is the best of the show in animation sequences. Uh, then we got the writing process, which is really interesting because we had Mob Wolfman on this, and we had uh, other Batman the Animated Series writers that are stepping in. And Kevin was tightening up this episode, so there were extra scenes where, like, when Clayface reveals himself as the police officer in the actual episode... What actually happened in the original script was Batman walked away with germs and was like, hey, that police officer was wearing an outfit that wasn't regulation to his like you know, role as an officer. And then there was this whole thing where it's like Kevin Altieri's like, no, you know what? Boom, he's Clayface. Fucking smashes him against the wall with a giant like clay fist. Like, that's what we need to do. Cut that out. So he cut out several scenes, like when Batman's picked up at the, the uh, police station. He goes back to the Batcave first with Alfred and like does a bunch of research instead of just changing into the in the back of the car and running off. And that scene almost got Kevin Altieri fired. Like wow. the right the writers went to Alan Burnett and was like, "What the fuck? Like he's changed so much." And Alan Burnett is his like this. My word is 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 law. Just said, "I like it staying in," which I think is great. So it keeps the episode flowing. We don't need those extra it things. It's in our top top three so they it clearly was executed well in the end absolutely and alan burnett wanting that germ scene uh the interrogation scene with the vials like that's alan burnett being like no i want that and kevin altieri's like do you know how hard it is to animate a vial like spinning on a countertop like just above someone's head and alan burnett again said yeah but i really want it and that's you know that's again his word is law like i i think that's great and the animators and the storyboard artists, everybody gave it to him. You know, like that's it's incredible. Uh, and but his expectations after that were like, and now I want this all the time. <laughs> this level of animation. I want dolphins with machine guns with big boobies shooting <laughs> stuff out of their nipples all the way. Oh wait, this is a good show. <laughs> and then you got the version of the Batwing. Now, buddy, I don't know if I showed you what Kevin Ortieri's choice is. I, I, I respect the hell out of you Kevin. Did. Yeah, and I think his his uh, his choices that he's made as a director are incredible, and it's why we have such an amazing show because he's such an incredible like visual director. But this choice, bud, I gotta say, even on the podcast, I was just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like no, the GBR one racer or GB racer. Like, look, I like the idea behind it. He wants to keep it in that world, right, in that time. Uh, and yeah. it was like a very good plane for that time, especially like a one-man piloted plane. Uh, but you, as I said, you can't beat that TIE fighter of a fucking ship that is the Batman. No, and look at this and Jeep. Yes, that look at weirdly it. looks tasty. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it looks like a, like a fat pepperoni or something. <laughs> 
Look at this chunky motherfucker. Look at it. Look at that thing. <laughs> and then like the little cockpit. Deli in the back. meat before it's sliced. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's so accurate. Like a big log of provolone, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so look, I respect the hell of it. He even drew what he would make it like this the cover of this podcast episode you guys have mm. all seen it he drew that for me as a sort of like here's what i had in mind and it's a really cool drawing but still if i was watching this show as a kid and i saw that like provolone flying around in the sky i would i would not be like i have to own that toy i just wouldn't i, I disagree i think it probably would have looked cool the problem is, is that we have in our mind already the bat plane which is a great iconic ship Yes. So we're comparing the two, and it, and there is no comparison. The Batplane is the best choice. It's one of the coolest looking vehicles in the entire show, if not the coolest vehicle that Batman owns. Um, it's true, but I I do think that if he had that little plane, like I would I would have thought it was pretty cool as a side vehicle. Yes, I don't think it should be the definitive Batplane. Like in Mask of the Phantasm, that's the closest he got to being able to do those that type of plane because they are those types of helicopter planes that they put in Mask of the Phantasm. I just don't see it as the bat plane. But yeah, you're right. I'm so used to that iconic, like, they're like daggers, you know, the bat wing, mm. like the way it looks. But well, you know what? again, next time I draw Batman for DC Comics, I'm going to draw that shit in the Batcave hanging somewhere as an homage to what the plane originally should have looked like. Oh, that's pretty cool. I love that. Well, keep an eagle eye out for that when you ever work on Batman next. But um, as Kevin said, look, you've got, this like rich 1930s noir for the show and everything fits like the Batmobile looks like it fits in it. The Batboat looks like it fits in it. The motorcycle looks like it fits in it. The Batwing is something that doesn't look like it's come from the thirties. And he's right. Like it looks like a modern day jet, not something. So that's why I think, yeah, it does. So, but it still looks cool. And I think that's, that's all we need is a really cool looking vehicle. I'm sorry, but there, there was a cloud outside my window right now. That just looks exactly like an erect penis, and it's cracking. <laughs> <laughs> it's I was so, wondering what you were looking at. It's so long as well, and it's it like it has like the banana bend, and like it's got the mushroom tip. Uh, and you know what? This is the second dick I've seen in the sky in the past week. I guess I got dicks on the brain. You got dicks. On, I thought you were looking out your window, like, yeah, that's what the bat wing would look like. You know, imagining it in nope, your mind's eye. Big cloud dick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of big clouds of dick over Hollywood, he he talked about the strikes going on right now. And granted, the writer strike has seemed to have come to an end, which is it amazing. Has. And they actually got what they were asking for, which is pretty incredible. Like their demands were met, so that is amazing. And I'm, my hats off to them. I'm so glad that's happened. Yeah, so the, maybe Kevin can go the, back to work soon. The late night people got right back on it, and I was so happy yeah. this morning to watch because I always watch um, Closer Look. Uh, it's like my favorite, like to keep up with American politics. Uh, so having an episode of that back this morning was like comfort because usually I start the day with me and my wife watch an episode of Closer Look whilst having breakfast. So like mm. it, that was taken away from me for like half a year. So having it come back was such a comforting thing. So yeah, I think Seth Meyers might be the only late night person I watch now besides uh, Conan doing his side stuff because I don't care about the the Jimmies. <laughs> and whoever the fuck else does it, I don't care. Well, that's, I mean, I'm glad that writers are going back to work, not just for the late night circuit, but I think it's going to be great to see, you know, stuff starting to happen. Hopefully Kevin's going to be able to go back to work. Granted, the the actor strike is still happening, so 
you kind of need both. You know, there's going to be a point where it's like, all right, we're ready to make this and shoot this, and they don't have actors. So that still needs to end. But half of this has been completed, so hopefully the SAG strikes will be completed soon as well, and they'll get what they want, and then we'll start getting content. So, yeah, but it was really interesting to hear Kevin talk about it and get an insight into what it's like from a director, you know, that's that works in animation, not like a big-time director with, like, Hollywood Oscar winning movies behind you know just I this is what he does for a living and he makes a decent living off of it he's not mega rich and he needs consistent work in order to survive especially in fucking Los Angeles which is so expensive to live in so mm-hmm. yeah I feel for him and hopefully he'll get be able to get back to work so thank you Kevin for coming on the show again we really appreciate we really appreciate all of that appreciate appreciate um next up we've got capes capers and as far as our skits go for part two so we did part one a little while ago so you guys will have that compilation of cape caper skits coming next week and then we're gonna have a week break as we're going away on holidays and then we'll be back in full swing after that to review joker's favor which is super exciting we've been like building this episode up and up and we're gonna be a couple more weeks and then we'll finally sit down and review it so i'm excited to review that one bud Oh, me too. It's it's one of my favorite episodes of all time. I just I really love it so much, and it really nails home that that great white shark analogy I use all the freaking time for the Joker. Yes, including a video that I just posted on their socials as of yeah. last night. That and had... where can people see that video if they'd like to? <laughs> well, uh, we're jumping the gun a bit here, but you can go to Batman TAS Pod on all the socials and check out all the great video clips that I take from our podcast putting over animation from the show, make it look like the characters are saying what we're saying. And they seem to do pretty well on TikTok and on Instagram, so you can go check them out there. All right, bud, it's our first game of the day, which is Ace the Bat Sound. This is a game that we play with you, the listener. Each week, I'll play a brief music clip from the show, and you have to guess who the character is or the title of the episode that the music belongs to. The answer to each clip will be revealed in the following episode. So last week, we had this music clip. And if you still don't know, here's a clue of a voice clip from that episode. Tonight, I can promise you a few surprises, a thrill or two along the way, and with luck, a happy ending. How long has it been? Ten years? Twelve? All that and another lifetime. She and her father were very fond of you. I was a different person then. Yes. Intense, driven, moody. She'd never recognize you now. All right, I'm going to show you how this magic trick is done. Reveal some secrets. The episode that this is from is, of course, Zatanna or Zatanna, depending on where you're from in the world. So that is an episode that I have not seen for a very long time, and I am waiting to watch again when we finally get to this podcast. Do you remember anything about that episode, bud? Um, 
is it that Zatanna's in town and Zatanna has a connection with Bruce because when he was training to be Batman, he was training under her father? Yes, very good. Yes, oh. that is that is most of the plot. There is a, a villain that's also played by Michael York, friggin' Basil Exposition. He's also the villain in that, I believe. Okay. And Batman like has to do like a Houdini escape, right? Uh, yes, he does, I think, in flashbacks and maybe... I don't remember much of it. I I just recently actually used some of that footage for one of our TikTok and Instagram videos. So yes, I, I he does do a Houdini sort of tied up in chains, hanging upside down thing. But I only saw that in the, the flashback. But we'll get to that episode eventually. It's one of the later ones, but we will get to it. All right, and here's the musical clip for next week's episode where you will have to name the episode that the music is from. I'm not going to reveal anything except for I might have a strange secret that I'll reveal next week. Yeah. Coming from a fellow bald man, man. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. I can't believe you just compared my head to the biggest egghead of this oh, show. Buddy. You you compare me to fucking Kate. You made a video where I am the, they gotta work, I gotta eat guys. So. <laughs> Boss Biggest. What comes around goes around. <laughs> All right, Boss Biggest, we're going to our next category now, which is You've Got Mail. All right, Egghead. Oh, by the way, this came for you an hour ago by Messenger. You've Got Mail. Thank you, Alfred. Okay, this is where I take all of your emails, your comments, your reviews, specifically your reviews on Spotify and on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now called. It hasn't been called iTunes in fucking ages. Uh, but I take all your comments and I read them out in the pod. So I can't read them all at once, but I gather them all. And I've recently found a bunch on Spotify that I have not read, bud. So I've got a few here. Whoopsie. Some, <laughs> some of them are a little old, but you'll finally be able to hear them on the pod. First up, we've got listener Lewin on our Rich Fogel interview, which is our most recent episode just before this. He said, another amazing episode. You two are the most comforting and real podcasters out there. And the genuine love for BTAS blends into the podcast in a great way. Keep up the amazing effort. Thank you. Yes, we're very real people. I think that's really nice. You're, I thought you were going to be like, oh, that's lovely. You're just like, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Next in <Yes>. line. <laughs> no, Lewin, that's, I mean, that that made me go, oh, that's really nice. And I showed that to my girlfriend as well. So thank you so much for writing that in. Thank I you, appreciate Lewin. it. I do appreciate it as well. Thank you, Lewin. See, okay. we're being very real right now. We are. Next up, we've got Selena Calabresi, or Calabresi, however you might be able to say. It's gone Spotify. I really love this podcast. She said, quality guests and insight. Great work. I listen whilst I'm at work. Oh, okay. That's a cool place to listen that, like, it's, I, I guess... I don't know where people listen to us. Like, sometimes I'm like, okay, it must be on travels into work. 
that makes sense mm-hmm. podcast or maybe when you're like cleaning the house and you're like okay i'll just stick this on but work is a specific one because we've had people write in and say work before but they can't like laugh or you know give the game away well, they, that they're listening to something they might be able to i mean i listen to podcasts whilst i work so you don't know what people's situations yeah but are. you work at home in your pants mate i mean like at an office did she say she worked in an office True, I don't know if she does or not, so she might work. Ah, you're home. making a lot of big assumptions there. Made an ass out of you and me. That's right. <laughs> and our listeners. Well, sorry, Selena, if I made you feel like an assume, but thank you for writing in. Okay, then we've got Brito or Brito, which is B-R-I-T-O on Spotify. Brito has said, I follow you on TikTok as well, and I love your animations you make with your podcast audio. Love your channel. Thank you so much. Thanks for following us on the socials. Then we've got Lauren on Spotify. Thanks for the work. I'm enjoying learning about my favorite series. This is the third podcast series I've gone through about BTAS, and you are still bringing out great interviews that are fresh. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, but you didn't say that we're the number one band. (laughs) Yeah, big time error. Please go back and correct that. If you listen to three others, you would know. So please write in confirming that we are the best one you've listened to. That's right. Then uh, second to last one here, we've got Olard Backard, which is just a name for like a Bond henchman. Olard Backard. I see that Olard Backard is in the room. <laughs> uh, Olard has said, y'all are doing great. Keep up the great content. BTAS is my favorite animated show of all time. And I'm looking forward to every episode of this podcast that you release. Thank you so much for listening, Olard, and sticking around each week to listen to us. We really appreciate that. And finally, we got Matthew on Spotify. Question for Will. That's how it starts. Oh. Do you have to be well-behaved in school to get into the comic book industry? <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> I thought that would be your answer. Here's how you get in the comic industry. Draw some nice pictures, show them to some people that work in the comic book industry, and then you might get a job. It's that easy. Like, and well, you kind of have to do that. It's not that easy. No, it's, it's not very that hard, easy. Yeah, <laughs> and it takes many years to get to that skill level. Lots of rejection, but the nuts and bolts are: you build a portfolio of your art. You attend conventions where editors are at conventions. Uh, they usually do portfolio reviews. You show them your portfolio. They'll give you a review saying, "I like this" or "Work on this." Usually, you have to spend years where they give you lots and lots of rejection that's what happened to me until you eventually build up your skills that you're it's quality enough that you bring it to an editor they say i like this but they don't just give you a job they get you in contact with the company then you do sample pages for that company so they can see what it'd be like for you to draw those characters and also secretly see how quick you are that's a hot tip a lot of people spend time in those freaking submissions you got to do them quick because they want to know oh this guy's quick and he draws at this quality level this quick guy or girl um, and then after that, then they'll potentially put you on a short list and, and you'll go from there. I mean, that's what happened to me. In high school, I drew a Punisher versus D- Deadpool comic for like three years that was just in my notebook that I would just add to during classes that I found extremely boring. And look, I got terrible grades in high school, not because I'm stupid, but I just did not give a fuck. I really mm. didn't. I was a stoner. I was getting high, baby. And I was listening to <laughs> Fish and Grateful Dead and that Dave Matthews band having a boogie and trying to get laid. Oh, it was a glorious time. That but it wasn't amazing. until <laughs> Take me back a... now. <laughs> it wasn't until I got into university um, and I got into university because it was a liberal arts school, so they didn't care as much that I had bad grades. They cared more about the quality of my work. Because here's the difference. Yeah, I didn't care, but I did film classes that I got straight A's in. 
in school and my teachers were really pushing me towards trying to get a career in film so much so that they gifted me like a film camera from like the 1970s actually operated on film and I won all these like we used to have Oscars that I used to win all this stuff so I had lots of great encouragement from my teachers to pursue my passion which was to tell stories so once I went to university that's when I started doing really well in school and paying attention and I graduated university as one of the top of my class with honors first class degree baby and I don't regret any of that because I learned so much about storytelling that I apply into my comic book work that I use today so my advice is fuck high school, but pay attention to the university. <laughs> and if you want to be like me, that, <laughs> that runs a podcast that is successful, but doesn't make any monetization as of yet, <laughs> then you can not give a shit in university as well and join a fraternity <laughs> and continue to smoke and drink and not go to class, get kicked out for a semester. <laughs> that's how you be like me baby that's the good stuff oh man still getting high trying to get laid and listen to dave matthews i've got them in both earphones right now i've got you and dave matthews band going Really? Oh you listen to music during this podcast? Fuck no. You do you really think I was serious? Oh, there? I thought you were like in the background just like fucking jamming out to Ants Marchin or something <laughs> like that. I said deep tracks only. <laughs> uh. And if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever you're listening to us on right now, as it helps us back grapple up the charts and attract both new listeners and guests. And if you leave a review, we will probably read it out on the pod at the end of each episode. And please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform of choice if you haven't yet already. Also, you can follow us on social media at Batman TAS Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere but the app formerly known as Twitter, which is at Batman TAS Pod One. And that is because why? Because we are the number one Batman, the animated series podcast. You goddamn right. And in the description of this episode, you'll find a tip jar where you can give us any amount of money you can afford to give if you so wish. As we aren't billionaire playboy philanthropists, any amount you can afford to give us is not necessary, but always greatly appreciated. And you can follow me everywhere at Chef Alex Robson to see what I'm doing. And you can follow my brother, comic book artist, writer, extraordinaire. This is the part where I usually have this written down, but for a second week in a row, I have not. So, Will, where can our <laughs> listeners find you? <laughs> Anywhere at Robson Inc. And that's R-O-B-S-O-N-I-N-K. I'm most active on Twitter, but I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok, kind of. I'm on the Facebooks. Uh, I'm on the Blue Sky. I'm on the Threads. And yeah, I'm around, baby. So if you want to see what I'm working on. Oh, I didn't mention in the Art Life thing, I have signed on to, to draw a Marvel comic. That's a one shot that will see me working for the rest of the year. So I forgot to mention that. Hey. Can't say what it is yet. But uh, yeah, I'll be back at the old House of Ideas for the rest of the year. I know what it is. You know what it is. I'm designing. Uh, I, did I tell you I get to redesign uh, one of the characters' costumes? No, you didn't tell me that yet. Upon request. Is it? The one you would assume could would the have one to redesign. I... Okay, cool. I dig it. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. All right, cool. And it's going to be inspired by an N64 video game, just to let you know. Ooh. Because I'm a uh, nerd. 
Oh, okay. Well, all right, let's wrap this podcast up so you can talk about it. <laughs> no, we've finally got our last uh, category of the day, which is what you're putting in your holes. This is where we fill our holes with stuff that keeps us entertained. So, buddy, what's falling and dripping and oozing into your holes? Too many crisps. I'm addicted to crisps at the moment. I don't know why. <laughs> Give me all of the crisps. What flavors tickling oh. your fancy? I had bugles the other day, and I haven't had them in fucking ages because they don't really exist in this country. Saw them in the supermarket, cheese-flavored bugles. I was like, ah, take a crack at that. I'm not allowed to buy them anymore because I (laughs) hoovered them down. They were delicious. I loved them so much. But, buddy, I'm into pickled onion, monster munch. I'm into giant salt and vinegar hula hoops i'm into chili heat wave doritos i'm still dancing with those tackies that are un fuego (laughs) it's speaking in tongues now i got that prawn cocktail walkers baby and baked walkers plane and i'm just i just want to eat all of them all the time and gummy bears getting fat again (laughs) <laughs> i'm fattening up for the winter baby i need to keep warm yeah I've only I, put on a pound and a half but i'm like oh i gotta lose that before we go away i came across a review the other day i actually could have included it in this but you talking about chris has reminded me i saw a review who said i came for batman the animated series episode review but i left with all the coca-cola slogans for the last like hundred years and i was like we did do that in the post credits that was once. a fun one that was a fun one. We could do Walker's Crisps slogans. What do they look like over the last few years? Or like, what are well, we their tried, logos? We tried looking up like Sprite or something like that, and it just was like not as interesting. Yeah, but tr- that's that's Sprite. Fuck them. We'll find something else. We should try Pepsi, though. That would be a good comparison. Pepsi would be good, yeah. So maybe coming in a post credit soon will be another deep dive on some brand's slogan that everybody knows. McDonald's would be a good one. How many McDonald's slogans yeah. has there been? That would be really good. I'm loving it. Um, all right. Well, besides chips that you're stuffing into one hole in particular, or crisps, what uh, what else are you doing? Uh, I'm watching Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> By that, I mean my wife's watching it, and I've started watching it too. What a fucking man. It's a guilty pleasure. It's I just like watching the people dance terribly. That's what I'm here for. And my God, are there some terrible dancers? There are. I've seen the show. Yeah, it is bad. Um, and I haven't been watching much because I've been building a wardrobe set in my bedroom, which and focusing on my Kickstarter. So, uh, what we do in the shadows, I just wrapped up, and I'm sad because I want to see it all over again. Rewatching Office on a Loop as I always do. And yeah, not really much else. I mean, I, I want to start watching some horror movies. I've given up on fucking, uh, what's it called? Seance Lot. It is the most boring fucking film I've ever seen. Oh my God. Nothing happens in it ever. It's so slow. Do you know what's so funny is, so today, um, I had a phone call from, uh, well, I'll remove this name. I had a phone call from, no. I haven't spoken to him in ages. Oh yeah. But I, and he told me that he doesn't watch horror films because, as a kid, he was like 12, he watched Salem's Lot with his friends. And then afterwards, they locked him in a dark basement by himself and told him that the vampire was down there. And he's like, oh, oh that's fucked. And I was like, that's so scarring, dude. And he's like, and I've never been able to watch horror films since then because of that event. And I was like, and he's like in he's in the state agency like business. He's in like the, you know, 
that type of he's thing. He's going to sell Salem's Lot. <laughs> I was like, have you ever been in a basement? Or like, if you show a house, you're like, I ain't going down there. <laughs> yeah. And there's the basement. You can check it out if you like. I won't. <laughs> there's a vampire down there. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And there's uh, a kid floating, spooky kid floating, tapping at the window over there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but that makes me think, like, would I, would I find it, uh, like, at all worthwhile like thinking about how scarring that event is or is it literally like it had its day and now it's just not gonna I've, work on me but i'm an hour and a half in and i still haven't seen the vampire I like oh my vampire. god and it's like it's like like longer than lord of the rings it's so such a long and i'm talking extended lord of the rings it's longer jesus it's too long and it's it's so slow it's and it was it's like television from 1979 turned mm. into a movie so you know it's that level of quality. it's like the original it it's just like poor it's quality much worse than that long oh, it's worse than the original it that's pretty yeah, bad at least the original it had an amazing you know tim curry as it is true great and really yeah. entertaining and you wait to see that i mean i i watch just his scenes all the time because he's the best thing about that but I might, maybe I'll just, you know what? I might just skip through it, like watching it. And then the moment spooky stuff happens, I'll just watch just play. it. Like I already know the story because it's such a famous story. So what am I waiting for? The plot? No, I don't give a shit. As I said, the plot has already like diverged so many times that have nothing to do with anything that, oh, I just want to, it's like one of those like classics that I know I need to see so I can <laughs> reference it in my mind. But it's like the pain of having to go through it. It's like watching a trip to the moon or Battleship Potemkin for the millionth fucking time. <laughs> Well, uh, to start off the spooky season, I've created a new tradition uh, as of this year, which every time the spooky season starts, October 1st rolls around, I'm going to watch Batman Forever because I fucking love that movie. I really enjoy yeah. it. And it's got Halloween in it. So I'm like, that works, you know, for the start of the season, just ease into it. And I watched it in 4K. haven't watched it in 4K yet. And I also watched it with my dynamic light setup where it like mimics what's happening. And mm. I have not had a better experience um, with my tv and my lights as of yet than watching batman forever it was so much fun to watch it was so colorful there's so many pulpy like colors popping out at yeah the neon lights in that movie like they come through on the lights and the tv yeah like, no you, you sent me the video and i think that you have an absolute gimmick that i would never use to watch a film with because it's so distracting but for a film of the quality of batman forever yeah add that gimmick to it like let's have some fun Excuse me, like, the, quality I, I fucking... forever, the quality yeah. of Batman Forever? The quality of Batman Forever? I beg your pardon? That is it's film. It's not a great that, movie. It is up there in some of the best Batman films, in my opinion. Yes, well, it's because you used to watch it every day until our VHS actually deteriorated. Because <laughs> you saw a Batman who had blonde hair and blue eyes. You were like, it could be me! <laughs> I must consume every day! <laughs> I know. Uh, I just. I'm so glad I watched it on my own because there's there's it's so I many lines. I wonder why you got into James Bond so hard when there suddenly was a blonde head. <laughs> James Bond. What's hmm. he? I've been I've been discovered. But yeah, the uh, the there's so many lines in that movie that I could quote. But there's there's so many like tiny little things in that movie. Like at one point. Tommy Lee Jones's Two Face goes, yeah, as he like does this like little laugh jig yeah. at Batman as he's like running away from him, and I don't know why, but like that's always left an impression on me, like yeah, and he does it so like it's I don't know how to describe it, but it just it instantly I'm like ah, I'm watching something that I know and I love and it's comforting and it's just it was that's so much fun. That's 
that's the you love to consume comfort and there's nothing wrong with that no i mean i yeah you're right like i watch new stuff occasionally of but course. some stuff like that like that meant so much to me as a kid is so much fun to revisit i mean we do a podcast on a show because i love revisiting it so much but that he yeah like that's my attitude going into <laughs> watching this movie i'm like i'm gonna go watch it he yeah you know like here we go <laughs> Uh, and then, like, there's a there's um there's a way that Val Kilmer says, like, still playing with dolls, doctor. And he kind of has like a little bit of a lisp. He's like, still playing with dolls, doctor. And I'm like, get your tongue out your way. Like, what are you doing, Bruce? Mm-hmm. I have to say, the best part of that movie is this one song, which is bap, 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 but also the also they made it's it's a good score like look it's it's no elfman but it's a good score like elliot gunthal like came out with a swinging with a great score for that movie and just the way it starts like uh can i persuade you to take a sandwich with you sir I'll get drive through. Like that's how that Batman movie starts, like with a joke yes, about drive through. And you, you know put what? It up there, it's one of the best Batman movies. Yes, and it explores why he's Batman. It's the first film to be like, hey, why do you dress up like a bat? You know, like yeah, it kind of does that. It does. Like I've heard the director's mm. cut has recently been viewed at Kevin Smith's uh, movie theater that he owns in New Jersey. He did like a Batman Forever, like this isn't the director's cut, but it really is because he would have gotten trouble if he said it was and advertised it. And people have been like breaking down the ones that went like all the extra scenes. And some of it sounds great and other bits of it sound fucking shit. And I'm glad that it didn't make it into the final cut. Like, do you know that Jon Favreau like has a big, like bigger role in that movie? Because he's like Bruce Wayne's bodyguard and there's like... A bunch of scenes with John Favreau John, that got cut. John Favreau's in the movie. He's in the movie very briefly when uh, he go when Bruce Wayne goes to Wayne Enterprises and visits the the R and D section and like he visits Edward Nigma. John Favreau yeah. is standing behind him, and like so he plays a bodyguard to a rich billionaire that's secretly a super. Yes, yes, he does. Okay. Yeah, sound familiar? But um, he said that in interviews. Now, is it Fat Favreau or Skinny Favreau? Skinny Favreau, Skinny oh, Favs. Okay talking friends favreau gotcha yes i mean it's 1995 you know like he's friends favreau and like he said that even then he was picking up on things of like do's and don'ts for like if he ever directed a comic book movie so that's pretty cool that he took away from that but yeah there's like a bunch of scenes cut with him the movie opens differently as well like it doesn't open with batman in the cave like suiting up it opens with like harvey dent escaping from arkham asylum and then like you also get um his backstory not just on like a tv but like his actual backstory of like how he got scarred and you know yeah i mean i would like to see it they should just release it so people they should money and there's a giant fucking bat in it that like the reason the movie studio thing that they can't do it because of some legal i guess extra of something that's that's got to be the reason why i I mean like pay it like you did Zack snyder's thing like really you've already got it and apparently there's a whole scene with a giant bat that Batman like faces. Like he keeps on yeah, seeing seen, it. I've seen the footage of that. In the yeah, and it looks it looks like man bat, right? Like he's gigantic. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that the reason that the movie is called Batman Forever is because he decides in the movie, like I'm Batman and I'm going to be Batman. And that scene where he faces forever. this giant forever, <laughs> and the scene where he faces the giant bat is when he like comes to you know that's when that whole story like comes to fruition where he's like I am I'm not Bruce Wayne I'm Batman like. 
I, that's I the story. The title Batman Forever of oh the first two movies were such a hit that we're going to make these fucking movies forever. And I thought it was kind of a tongue in cheek stu- like way for the studios to be like get ready guys because Batman is here to stay. Yeah, and then they did Batman and Robin, and then he went away for a while, <laughs> <laughs> and then he began. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty much it, bud. That's all I've got that I'm putting in my holes. We're going on holiday. So we're, we're going away in a couple of days, which will be nice. I can't wait to share a bed with you on holiday. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Our father's taking us on holiday like we're seven years old. We're going to share a bed. I'm going to fart on you. I'm going to put Dutch oven you. It's going to be great. All right. That's all the time we've got for this week. Join us next time. Where we'll continue talking all things Batman, the animated series. Until then, I've been Alex Robson. I've been Will Robson. And remember that we are vengeance. We are the night. We are a podcast. Bye, motherfuckers. Doodles! So someone forgot they were podcasting today. I've just been very busy and I got to get going. So no no fun little thing at the end. Let's just get the show on the road. <laughs> That's all you're getting, all right? We give you minutes and hours sometimes. You're getting... Little bits right now. That's all you're getting. Deal with it. That's all you get. Deal with it. Yep, you're getting scraps off the table like a dog. You want a funny little thing at the end? Here's a funny little thing. Farts. There you go. Now, moving (laughs) on.